I am happy to say, everyone, that this episode, the next few episodes, are sponsored by Magic Mind, magicmind.com. This is what you could call an energy drink, but it's really the world's first productivity shot. And if you're looking for a coffee replacement or even something to add to morning routine, this goes with anything. You don't need to remove anything from your routine and you can replace it for anything else that you use to keep you alert. This right here will give you natural energy and it has so many different vitamins and things that are essential to you from organic matcha to echinacea for your immunity, vitamin D, organic ashwanda, and vitamin B complex, turmeric, vitamin C, and so much more. So if you are looking for something to boost your energy, increase your cognitive abilities, and to assist you in being alert and full of energy throughout the day without any of the side effects, go to magicmind.com and check them out there. Hello, my name is Zenka Caro, and I'm from LightNet, where we help you experience something extraordinary. It is amazing because we're here at the Conscious Life Expo and I'm here with Linda Moulton Howe, who is, you know, she's the legend in this industry. Uh, you have been tracking into the unknown from a very early age and you've been doing it with, your brain is gigantic, <laughs> okay? You're a researcher, you're an investigator. And it's, it's just been really an honor to have you breaking down these walls and asking the right questions. And we're going to talk about your contacts. We're going to talk about information that you're getting uh, and, and also about your career. Like, let's start there. You have, you know, really break, broken a lot of rules, so to speak, um, asking all these questions. Has that been hard? And what has that journey been like over the years? It was a discovery of how my own government would like me and a lot of other people to not discuss facts and truth in the area of are we on a planet that is interacting with and possibly the base for extraterrestrial biological entities of many types. And that when I think back to, it was September of 1979, and I was director of special projects for the CBS station in Denver. And I was with a crew having a lunch on a particular uh, project that I was finishing and was going to go broadcast. And the audio guy said, I've just come off of a shoot for this new TV show 2020 in New York. And he said, it was the oddest thing, Linda. Uh, we were out in Kansas and out in the Midwest and they're finding these animals, cows and horses and sheep and all of these uh, domestic animals. And there are no tracks around their bodies. Uh, they have ear, eye, tongue, jaw, genitals removed. There's no blood, there's no fluid. And he said, in fact, we touch some of the edges of the cuts and they're dry and it feels like plastic. I'm getting this at lunch. And he said, and we shot, uh, it was a huge number then. This was uh, all 16 millimeter double system. He said, we, we shot over 100,000 feet. And he said, and uh, it's going to be for this new 2020 show. Well, I got back to my office, I'm CBS. I called uh, network, I got a hold of the producer. And I explained that my audio guy had been on a shoot for them. 
And when were they going to broadcast the film about these animal mutilations? And the answer was, oh, no, we scrapped it. I said, what do you mean? He said, you shot over 100,000. Yeah, yeah. But we're in the business of news, and we couldn't prove who was mutilating the animals. That was what I got on the phone with New York. And that was the day that my life changed for the rest of my life. And 1979 was 43, 44 years ago. So I have been involved with trying to answer that question for almost half a century. And if you took this in pieces, that day I began making phone calls to sheriffs. I got a meeting with a sheriff up in northern Colorado, Sheriff Tex Graves. He had been investigating animal mutilations, I learned, since at least 1970 or 71. And we sat in an office where he had 166 color Polaroids that he had taken. The sheriff had taken these Polaroids. And I asked him if I could put them on the floor and long enough so I could see an entire time-lapse evolution. We did. I started asking him questions. I am looking at one series in which the head of a steer is down in a hole that I asked the sheriff, what is going on here? He said, we don't know, but I always carry a measure. And he said, that hole was eight inches deep. The cow's head is down in the hole the legs were perfect, you, the, the hooves were absolutely like they were glued together. The legs were so perfect, front and back. <laughs> Ear, eye, tongue, jaw flesh, genitals, rectum cord out. No blood, and it was an all dusty, which in Colorado can be when it gets into late summer. I said, Sheriff, I don't see, even see the tracks of the animal. How did the animal get here? And he said, Linda, I will save you some time. The perpetrators of these animal mutilations that are bloodless and trackless are creatures from outer space. At that moment in my entire life of now 81 years around the sun, it is the only time in my life that when that sheriff said, the perpetrators are creatures from outer space. I literally felt as if my entire body had touched an electric wire. It went through me, through my whole body. Me not knowing what the next half century was going to be, but knowing that something right then changed for the rest of my life, truly. And it started, um, it was as if I was trying first, left brain, to just understand how could what I was seeing in all these photos even happen to the animals, especially without tracks. And eventually, being able to interview so many people, fellow reporters, so many ranchers, people who were uh, in like uh, an animal division that were going out and trying to do necropsies. And I was trying to stress 
the medical aspect. And realizing from everybody, everybody understood what was happening, not only in Colorado, it was happening all over the United States, Canada, South America, Australia, kangaroos in Australia, became a global issue. And I went with a crew for a month in a, a, a station wagon owned by the TV station, and we were true documentary. No uh, preset. It was you talk with this person that takes you to here. We did this for a month. And it was toward the end of that month and on the road hearing all of these stories, seeing all of these photographs, seeing real animals with law enforcement and doing almost like an ethnographic uh, documentary on the road with everybody. And I was in um, the hotel room, the crew had gone to bed, and I remember I started writing, trying to get a focus on how am I going to tell this incredible story, and why had I never heard of it before, focus, and it got to be 4 a.m. in the morning, and I had stayed up all night, and I knew that the crew was expecting me to be Zoom, at seven. You fucking so suck. In this window of these three hours, having written and looking at a whole lot of things, the strangest thing occurred, and I still don't understand why. I'm in a motel. I'm surrounded by my papers. There's this little tiny desk, and I just reached over. I opened the drawer as if I was being guided. Here was a Gideon Bible that they used to put in all the motels. I picked it up and I literally only went like this. I, did, I wasn't paging, I went like this. And it was in Revelations at the back and it was about the strange harvest of souls that was being described in the apocalyptic revelation at the end of the Bible, and I wrote in my notebook, the title of this film will be A Strange Harvest. That means more right now as we're talking in 2023 than you would understand. Because that whole section at the end of the Christian Bible is about the recycling of souls the harvest of souls. I'm dealing with trying to understand the harvest of tissue and blood from animals. And there was something about that moment and reaching as if I were guided. And this is what the film is, A Strange Harvest, that is now famous around the world. And it was as if inside of me became, the whole thing expanded into if extraterrestrials are the ones that are harvesting the tissue, the fluids, and all of the strange things that were being harvested, why? And eventually, I, 10 years later, I did uh, An Alien Harvest, which is a big book. It's a huge book, 456 pages, with all these photos and the evidence. But 
in that period, it became so clear that what we are dealing with are other intelligences and they are the ones that are doing the mutilations around the world for two categories. Sustenance for some, sustenance is food. For others, a genetic harvest in which the genetic harvest is applied to creating containers that will be adaptable to doing work on this planet Earth. So now, as we sit in 2023, about a half century later, the complexity of the relationship between a variety of extraterrestrial intelligences with the Earth as a planet that they use as a laboratory and as a supermarket. And the fact that Homo sapiens sapien, my fellow human beings, have deliberately been kept from all truth, all knowledge about all of this, from the governments that were brought into a horrible World War II, where Germany and the United States and England and Australia and New Zealand and Canada, they discovered that there was advanced technology. They discovered there were other intelligences in World War II. One man who worked for the Defense Intelligence Agency told me in December of 1999, Linda, World War II was an extraterrestrial war fought through human bodies. Today, there's even more evidence that that is true. And we are still on a planet in which governments, power brokers, are denying the 8 billion citizens that are human on Earth from even being introduced to the fact that governments and political institutions and the very wealthy have been allowed to know about this. And we, at 2023, are hearing about how something can be discussed in the floor of the Congress that is supposed to be a representative government, and it can go into being legislation. But the Pentagon and JSOC, they can come in and change words in what was passed, but they can still change words. Where does the government of the United States stop and start and a representative government of human beings of, by, and for the people begin. It is now so blurred because governments did not want anybody to know that they knew that there were extraterrestrials. There is something about this that is abusive, that is, to me, raising the entire question for me as an American growing up in what I thought was a government of, by, and for the people, that the, the presence of extraterrestrials would change the entire government's approach to a government set up as of, by, and for the people, and that now it is absolutely so the warp, the warp in all of it, like you would warp metal, warp lens. The United States is warped, and we are in some ways, we were the, like the last bastion of being able to hope that there would be an evolution of a government and a country that would always be grounded in truth. We're now facing the odd, odd 
conditioned that in 2023, if some of the rumors are true, we're going to have the Webb telescope be used as the in instrument of announcing not that there are a lot of ETs here in the solar system and all over in the Milky Way galaxy and beyond, but they're going to, as I understand it, use the Webb telescope with the breaking news, CNN, New York Times. Webb confirms biological signature on, and it may be the fourth planet that is a watery planet in the TRAPPIST-1 solar system. There are others. It will be safe because it'll be far enough away. They will say it's a biological signature. That's where we are in 2023, and our government has been with tall white ETs and Nordic ETs in starships that can go 50 light years in five days. And we have information from logging other solar systems where there are civilizations. What I'm saying is I am convinced that my sources are telling the truth. And the disconnect in 2023 from the reality of what has actually been happening since we landed on the moon versus the complete and total charade of made up information, it just staggers me, it depresses me. Why, why shouldn't Homo sapiens sapien as a life form be told all of the truth about other entities in this universe? And that's where we are now. Wow, yeah. Do you think that, that us as citizens could do the research without, I mean, part of it's recovering all the stuff that happened in the past, the agreements that were made about, okay, you can test this, you can do this or not, no agreement, was there agreement? Did it, you know, did, 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 did the ETs go over the agreement? When did it end? Like, you know, and then we're dissecting them be, as well. You know, it's like, okay, so, so, you know, it's been kind of a mess because it's been centered around war and competition and, and, and not putting the truth out there, right? So it's, it's like the people that have had the truth have, you know, are, are military type things. So could it be that, that we as citizens could, I mean, is there some kind of technology we don't have as citizens that we would need to do this deep research with them? How can we start again with them, the races that we wanna interact with and say, hey, you know, this happened in the past because we've, you know, the human race has done horrible things to each other too. We've, we've, we've experimented on people. Like, what? Well, the extraterrestrial factor, let's, let's now go where the rubber hits the road. I read a document, all caps, briefing paper for the President of the United States of America on the subject of unidentified aerial craft, and then in the same document it also used unidentified aerial vehicles, acronyms that you have not seen, UACs and UAVs. Mm -hmm. And I read this document with a Air Force Office of Special Investigations analyst sitting five feet from me, handing me this document, on April 9th, 1983, and I am sitting in that Kirtland Air Force Base office, 
and being handed this uh, briefing paper because the month before in March, and it was uh, March 21 of 1983, and I remember it because it was the spring equinox. I'm in New York City, I'm in HBO, I am with the director of the documentary department, I am signing a contract to produce for them an hour called UFOs, the ET Factor. And from that moment of signing that contract in New York, and then starting to go to places that begin emerging through help of people who had been doing searches for uh, taking something to court against, say, the CIA or the NSA. There was a milieu of that sort of thing, and I'm talking to those people as well. And one of those, Peter Gerson, an attorney who had represented citizens against UFO secrecy, and Larry uh, Fawcett was a police officer in Connecticut who put together this very important book having to do with what are citizens, what are uh, people in law enforcement trying to do to penetrate what everybody was finding then, if you tried to ask about UFOs, you, uh, if you tried to ask about animal mutilations, human abductions, you were stonewalled and people were hurt. Hurt by, if they work for the government, they might lose their job. Uh, if there were military people who said it was a par for the course, if you were in the, like working in one of our missile silos and you reported a UFO is uh, 30 feet above the ground, this is a real case, and it is uh, about 40, 50 feet across, and it's glowing red, and it's right above one of our Minuteman missile silos, and you report it, which uh, a, a man did, the next thing he gets is an order to go to the Department of Psychiatry at the Air Force Base, no. and going to a psychiatrist, the, all of the military began to understand that if they reported a UFO, they would have to go to a psychiatrist that would be on their official permanent record, and anybody who wanted to diminish them, call them crazy, the government was providing the fodder for the disconnect between UFOs and the military. And eventually, going to that meeting that was set up for me by Peter Gersten, who already knows the abuses that are happening, when I think back at this pivotal meeting at Kirtland Air Force Base with an AF uh, Air Force Office of Special Investigations analyst who hands me this document of approximately 12 pages, all typed. And this is a briefing paper for the President of the United States of America on the subject of unidentified aerial craft and vehicles which use. And that when I start reading, and I got to a paragraph that was approximately page four in the middle, all typed extraterrestrial biological entities manipulated DNA in already evolving primates to create homo sapien. <laughs> Another paragraph in the next to the last page. Project Garnet, 
and I remembered all caps because I was born in January and garnet is the stone and I said remember your birthstone remember project garnet all questions and mysteries about the evolution of homo sapien on this planet have been answered and this project is closed and my eyes and my mind on the two sentences that I've just given you I just kept reading them three four times while this man is staring at me from his desk and this is my this was my jumping into the fire moment on everything that has driven me since 1983 sitting at Kirtland Air Force Base reading sentences that began exploding in my mind about the implications this document that says it's for the President of the United States is saying Homo sapiens sapien is the product of genetic manipulation by extraterrestrial biological entities. Which president read this? How many presidents? Was this one briefing paper for one? How many is it true that John F. Kennedy was assassinated because he wanted to open up the extraterrestrial presence that he was given some information about and he wanted to work with Russia and somebody in the United States did not want that to happen? Is that why John F. Kennedy was killed? My dear colleague, Jim Mars, brilliant journalist, he wrote a book having to do with John F. Kennedy uh, it being assassinated because he wanted to open up the truth about UFOs and ETs and that was made into a major Hollywood film that almost everybody who saw the film felt like, oh my God, this is the truth. How big, how big is this story? As I sit in front of you today, in February of 2023, I have been told in a meeting that was set up for me in December of 1999. It was a man who worked for the World Bank. He met me at a conference, 1999, asked me questions after I had done a presentation began to be in my life, he would stop. I was living in Philadelphia at the time. And he would stop and say, I would like you to meet X. I'd like you to meet mm -hmm. Y. And in 1999, uh, in late November, he called me and said, a colleague of mine is retiring from the Defense Intelligence Agency, and he would very much like to talk with you. Mm -hmm would you be willing to travel? And the three of us, World Bank, DIA retiree, and me, we met at a agreed upon location. It started in midday, and it had a lot of boats that had a lot of white noise. And as we sat down at the place where this man had control of it, wherever we were to talk, it was, totally up to him. 
and he had chosen a place where there was a bench and there were these huge boats and yachts and it was on a Sunday and there was this churning constant and as we sat down he looked up there's only three of us World Bank me DIA he looked up at the sky and he said quite seriously I do not think that our satellites can penetrate this white noise. And I remember sitting down with the idea, my God, they're listening everywhere. Mm -hmm. We were there for seven hours. Our bladders are what stopped the meeting. And the first thing that he said to me, honest to God, our government has proof the three competing extraterrestrial civilizations have been fighting over this planet for 270 million years. I said, what proof? He said, no, I can't tell you that. They will not allow that out, but just take my word, 270 million. And we started into a dialogue that dealt with the kind of planet, the kind of sun, the types of ETs, that the irony that the Christian Bible begins with the Garden of Eden, where <clears throat> what is teaching the first man and woman, Adam and Eve? Vipers, reptiles, snakes. The conversation in those seven hours went through what the government of the United States had been learning about these conflicts between a reptilian civilization, a blonde, blue-eyed Nordic civilization, gray civilization, and I am sitting there realizing that what I am now being put into is a discussion on facts so far removed from anything any of us are taught, allowed to even know, let alone allowed to question that I am now in a discussion with a man for 23 years announces in this meeting, Linda, my job for 23 years has been to monitor, study, and analyze the conflict of three competing extraterrestrial civilizations on this planet in the past and now. There's no possibility that he was lying to me. This was a truth conversation for seven hours. And when it was over and we were all leaving, he looked at me and he said, this was 1999, December. He said, something is going to happen in the next two to three years that will change the earth forever. Go to September 11th, 2001. I have a meeting that I'm to go to in downtown Philly and I'm dressing and I have CNN on. And it came in breaking news, breaking news. A plane has just crashed into the World Trade Center in New York City. 
and I stopped and I looked at the screen and that man's voice, almost like theatrical, something will happen in the next two to three years that will change this world forever. And the entire context of everything we were talking about was extraterrestrial civilizations in conflict on this planet. That's what those seven hours were about. What else could I conclude? Whatever 9-11, we know what happened physically. What we don't know is the truth behind the who, the what, and the why, and what would be the relationship to conflict of extraterrestrial civilizations, the implication being that world events as dramatic as that could be related to a war among extraterrestrials. Nothing has changed for me on that. I think that the, the complete clarity that we are supposed to be a humanoid species that did a crossfade with Neanderthal 45,000 years ago, that's that's when the crossfade was supposed to have happened, meaning both were on the Earth for a period of time 45,000 years ago. What caused the crossfade? Neanderthal were bigger. They had a larger cubic brain capacity. Anthropologists, archaeologists who have studied where, where they, uh, Neanderthal were, they have found rectangles where pollen was in the ground. They, they conclude that that meant that the Neanderthals put flowers on the graves of their dead. That means that they had some spiritual component about them, death, life, birth, and yet they are replaced by us. Who'd made the decision and that briefing paper? These extraterrestrial biological entities manipulated DNA in already evolving primates to create Homo sapiens. That is, we are made by extraterrestrials. And others say, Linda, you can't possibly say that. We have religions. It, it's Adam and Eve made. And so it, why? It doesn't contradict there being a divine field. It does not contradict the Nag Hammadi saying, the thought that dwells in the light is the infinite all in which this whole everything that is in existence is in the thought that dwells in the light. This doesn't contradict any of that. In fact, it makes it clearer that this universe is only one of probably an infinite number of universes. That the, that the expanse of the thought that dwells in the light is so huge that Roger Penrose, when I did an interview with him in 2018 and asked him about the singularity that started this universe, he said, oh no, Linda, no, no singularity. We are in a universe that is a cycle of time through infinity. And, I, and that has stuck with me because it becomes sort of like a poetic metaphor. 
We are in something that has no beginning and no end in relationship to the consciousness of the beings that is in it. For us to be in a 13.8 billion light year universe, one that is now, today, astronomers suspect that there's probably an infinite number of universes. So we're in one big one. To think that scribes writing 5,000, 10,000 years ago about humans being the product of God and the only life in the universe, that's the view of a baby. That's the view of a young child. To me, when you look back, and let's say it's 45,000 years that this particular model first stood up on Earth, amidst a vast history of other life forms, and not knowing that extraterrestrial civilizations more than one were interacting with Earth, basing themselves under the seas, in the mountains, in our planet, Mars, the moon, throughout our solar system. That's the truth. And that something in me almost aches to embrace those baby first humans. They don't have any perspective and everything that evolves is now coming through a lens and there's nothing wrong with it about a divine field, about God. It doesn't mean though that they are the only life forms, these baby humans in this vast universe. There's the missing link to reality right there. And you, you get up to where we are now on a planet where people are killing each other every single day over the color of their skin, that what their sexual preference is, and we are, it's why I think it is just so bent, it is so damaged, because we have been living in an arc of policies of lies and denial that have served people who wanted power and money. It had nothing to do with serving an experiment, whatever we are, to extraterrestrials as defined in government documents. We have never ever been told by anybody, you are the product of genetic manipulation by vast technologically superior civilizations and that dear God, divine field, thought that dwells in the light. There is nothing wrong with having some babies as long as you tell them the truth. And in 2023, nobody in a political situation, nobody in a government situation, nobody in a military, nobody has told the truth. And the punishment for reporting UFOs, reporting an abduction, reporting having something in your house that gets reduced to your mentally ill, 
that if you're in the military, you are assigned to go to a psychiatrist because that psychiatrist will control what you say for the rest of your life. Yeah. We've yeah. got to get past. We have got to break this open into yeah. something that starts healing this planet's perspective on itself. Yeah, this is a huge discussion because this is what we've also been saying between humans. You know, we always know it's like a microcosm of everything. It's not okay to sell another human. It's not okay to do something. And, and that's where we're, that's what you embody is the sovereignty to say, I, I'm in a position that I don't care if you run the psychological proof, but I am going to be, I'm going to speak up. You can't do it. You can't stop me from that sovereignty. That's, that's what we are all craving in the world. And the sec and you're defining right now the crack that's getting bigger and bigger in the United States. How many Americans feel as I did growing up that I had the protection of my government? that I was in the best country on earth, the United States of America, of, by, and for the people, rules and laws to protect individual freedoms, and look at what we have been going through for the last three or four years. It's so clear that there is no real reverence for any kind of preservation of our human individual freedoms as was defined in the original Declaration of Independence. That's gone out the window. It is now a mess. In that, in this mess, where you can be threatened, you can be put in jail on all kinds of flimsy excuses, pretending to be up by and for the people, and we're now going to introduce, finally, the extraterrestrials when things are about as abused and broken as they can possibly be on Earth. What now are we being set up for? I'm really concerned about this. I think that these tall whites and Nordics that I've talked with military people about, intel people about, They've been being reported by people in the abduction syndrome for years, never addressed in a formal way. The tall whites are supposed to be spiritual. They are supposed to acknowledge souls. They are supposed to have families. They are supposed to love their children to the point that they would stop a human heart in an individual because they can control brains. If you crossed a certain geophysical line that has been established, this is tall, wide territory. And at the same time, I have been able to interview a man who was a manager, now retired, in an aerospace corporation, who said, Linda, I worked elbow to elbow with a tall white. He said, you can feel the energy that comes off of them. And then he said, the, the closest thing I could possibly say to you that would give you a sense of what it is like to work with and communicate with a tall white extraterrestrial, he said, it's like being with a human who had five Cray supercomputers for a brain. And then he said, the tall whites 
literally project their mind into timelines. They are honestly trying to help us. The tall whites are honestly trying to help us. But they are so advanced, so far beyond even a human ability to even say, how would you extend your mind into timelines, find problems, neutralize problems, change the present, the past, and the future? And that's what the tall whites do. How do we communicate when we have been kept so dumb and blind for millennia? And now it's really important because the whole future of our planet may rest on humans beginning to learn how to know anything about the tall whites. The Nordics, one man who was in the Air Force said, people should at least be told that the Vikings, that were considered to be one of the greatest gladiator type fighters on the planet of the Earth, Linda, those are full-bore Nordic ETs. <laughs> the Vikings of history were full-bore Nordic ETs on our planet, known as great warriors. Why can't we know this as a fact announced by the governments of the world? Our history is not exactly what you think, and we're now going to start educating you for real. Yeah. How are we going to get out of this 2020 to 2030 decade that is tumultuous politically, seismically, every other way, yeah. if we are not told the truth honestly? Yeah. This is the frustration that, that, that caused us to create LightNet, because when you look at a problem or a philosophy and you only are given 20% or 5% or even 80%, me as a strategist goes crazy because I can't solve a problem with it when I have 80% of the pieces. I have to have the whole thing or otherwise I'm going to make the wrong, you know, advising. I'm going to advise you in the wrong way because I don't know the whole thing. So this is where we have to, as a society, come together, you guys, and get the whole story and we're going to cry because part of it's sad because because we're reflected in this like we've treated each other like this and we've done this too and so we have to come to terms with the fact that we haven't always told the truth you know and, and we've shoved everything down and people like linda is saying hey we've got to get the information out there, honest. whether yeah, honest information. No more classified. Yeah, reality. no more classified reality. And so we at LightNet have a few proposals that we're going to be putting into motion in the next two a couple years, I'll say. And they're this. I'm just going to announce it right here because we want you all to do it, whether you're doing it with LightNet or not. I don't really care. Let's just do it. Number one, we applied for a Bigelow grant. I don't know if we got it, but it doesn't matter because money's money, we can find it anywhere. <laughs> to start interviewing using mediums with daughters or friends of people with high clearances and them in the afterlife. So we know that we can communicate with people who've passed. And we know that mediums that are very you know, high quality can do that. And we, we're gonna take 
three mediums and interview one person that crossed. So we'd, we'd get a, you know, between the three or four of them, we'd get, you know, ask the same question. So the, you know, the CIA, you know, when we have classified data, it doesn't, it, it doesn't lock you once you die, you can talk. And a lot of people do it on their deathbeds. And a lot of people do it before. And they've done it with you, they've risked their life with you to be like, That's hey, right. wait a minute. The second project we have is a remote viewing project that Alan Steinfeld's going to be leading where, and, and when you said Trappist One, I was like, ooh, you know, <laughs> because we want to select three locations and possibly with your help where we say, okay, let's look at these particular locations, highly classified locations in the solar system, and let's get remote viewers from everywhere, from the Farsight Institute, from right. you know the our students too. Right. So we were we were remote viewing off planet, and the students never remote viewed before are getting they're writing down the same they're seeing the same thing. So in this story, and and and, and you know, it, this is this is a very tough conversation um, to have, but you know. AI is starting to to be a child, like you said. Like even if the ETs, because I'm thinking during this interview, I'm like, I hope I have a lot of ET in me because I want to be super ability and super smart, you know. Like so, it's like there was a baby made. Like there there's <laughs> genetics that have been exchanged, and now what? What is possible now? And we need our sovereignty as this mixed race. We need we need to we need to decide what gets done with our body, we get to decide how we tell our stories. So together we have to all tell our stories, we have to have a central location that's safe, that we all can put the big picture, we, everyone's got to bring their puzzle piece, we're going to look at the whole thing, right? The dilemma is what, what tact will the government of the United States, in collaboration with the UK, Canada, the old World War II allies, what stance are they going to take about individual human rights? Right yeah. now, you've got AI is going to come into this colliding like a bull in a china shop <laughs> in terms of humans are going to be replaced by them right. and they are not going to be taking orders from humans, they're going to be taking orders from big, large computer systems how long does it take for Homo sapiens sapien to finally look around them and say, what have we done? We have replaced ourselves with this running race into AI. And is or are ETs the ones that are sculpting this current total schizophrenic contradiction for reasons that are not clear? Because why would humans just be uh, enthusiastic about replacing themselves well, with well, artificial Well, but it just happens. That's what happens when we, we birthed a computer and it, it, it it's turning in to something that we never imagined. It's just like having a kid. You know, I have a kid. It's like, you don't get to decide anything about your kid. Your kid is a sovereign. Just like we as children of whatever happened, we get to decide and these are the questions it's in every story that we're telling ourselves in every way these are the questions is sovereignty are we going to give a sovereignty because you can have friendships with very smart people and very not smart people and it still works you can have because maybe we're more intuitive maybe we're more like fun maybe we're more alive you know what i mean and so we all must exist in this universe together so we've got to get along 
And if, if there are forces that we don't like, then let's throw a bigger party, you guys. Because there's, there's ETs that are benevolent because they're loving and they're more advanced, they're more spiritual. So let's build that team out and take the dominoes over because it's going to be more fun well, if we collaborate. There's something else that I think is as important as all of this, and that goes to um, in 1949, this is the version I've been given, we in the United States using microwave, shot down a UFO. It crashes. A pounce team goes out to retrieve bodies, craft. One of the people on the retrieval team was a US Air Force captain. There are half a dozen men. They see the debris. They're getting stretchers, they're getting trucks, they're trying to get everything in so they can get this uh, away from public ever finding it. And the U.S. Air Force captain, as it's been described to me, I've seen both things in text and had a description of somebody who had firsthand knowledge about this. The U.S. Air Force captain said that he began having the sense that thoughts were coming in his mind. And he was, he was totally disoriented by what was happening as they're walking toward this crash UFO. And other men are going right into the debris and the rubble and they're walking around and everything is normal, but the US Air Force captain, he can't deal with, he doesn't know what's happening. He's becoming disoriented. And then he describes that it felt like, like if you had a gentle pull on your face and that it felt solid. Now he's really, what in the hell is going on? And he's being pulled. And as he's being pulled, all he sees are rocks and rubble. And the pressure on his face is pulling him down. <laughs> and as he doesn't get away from this pull, he sees a flash inside of a little tiny hole in the rocks. There's a flash like light. And he reaches down and he pulls part of this over. And there is the face and the head and the flashing black eyes of an extraterrestrial biological entity. As soon as he is now looking at those eyes, he sees a movie that is played right to left across his mind's eye. And it is the point of view of this being showing what had happened which related to us microwaving them mm -hmm. and causing the crash. At the field, the Air Force captain, somebody of higher rank or however they were communicating says, your job now is you're going with this being, you're going to Los Alamos, you are going to stay with this being and you're going to be telepathically communicating for the rest of its life and your life. They go to Los Alamos. I have talked with a man who has seen some of the film that was generated, and I'm gonna tell you what one of the actual Q&A and answer was. They set the, it was a gray type, not a tall gray and not a little AI, but more around the five foot, four to five foot. The gray sat to the right, the U.S. Air Force captain sat here. 
they had a 16 millimeter camera every single day. Questions would come from people, the dynamic of the Air Force, and they never understood why did this one human man have the ability to get everything that was coming out of the telepathy of this grade. Nobody else could do it, just this man. And in one of these films, which I hope, I wish it were today, that they would start running every one of those films that were collected from 49 to June 18, 1952, and the gray being died of unknown causes. All of those days up to then is film. Wow. It's recorded, it's, an, it's supposed to be in an underground archive. Here is the one that was described to me by a man who saw this portion. Is reincarnation real? The weight, the Air Force captain said, reincarnation, the recycling of souls, is the machinery of this universe, quote unquote. If that sentence and that question was something that our government was exposed to in 49 to 52, the implication that what we are dealing with in beings that we don't know how to talk to, but they know how to put information in our heads, and that they would have something that profound on a question for all of us to miss what could have been, to me, the beginning of growing up babies into a new adulthood. If they did this kind of communication with that gray at Los Alamos, why couldn't they have done the same thing for the entire planet? It may have, no wars may have occurred that have happened. The recycling of souls is the machinery of this universe. To me, whatever, we, when they argue about we can't open this up because churches will collapse, the Wall Street will collapse, and yet that's the kind of information that they were getting recorded. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really admire um, you, Linda, for being so tenacious in your life. I mean, I've, I've watched you walk around the conference and you're up like super late at night. You're at all the parties. You were, I think you were DJing last night. Well, you're here fun. like early in the morning. <laughs> like you have more energy um, than a 14 year old. And, and you have had a lot of energy to say, I'm not satisfied, I'm going deeper. Who will talk to me? How deep does this rabbit hole go? Right. And I and I and I respect you for saying, uh, like, just using your energy and your life to go deeper, to go deeper, because we want to ask these questions of like the origin of everything and where is the where are the details of the story? And I think you're getting again, and we'll close the interview with this thought. Everyone is that. Our sovereignty in all this is really important. You know what I mean? Our, you know what I mean? Our, and our ability to heal this, what's going on, and to and to bring this in another context. Because 
you know, I, I'll never forget, I was in Europe and I saw this like sticker of a bee and it was like, said something like, we actually have all the power. So we as everyday people, we have more power than we ever thought. It's a small group of people that are like making us sad, you know what I mean, in this way, you know what I mean, of like, and so we, this is our, and maybe, maybe we stop recycling as souls when we we come to know our power we come to know our 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 like union with all that is and with each other and so in these times it's important that we get this information ourselves you know we teach telepathy at light night it's like let's just do it let's empower ourselves to get there just like you've done you've empowered your life to to go into these to 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 not stop to not be tired to just get in there and get down to it you know you're asking huge questions and there is another piece to this as well that comes right off of what you're saying it was about uh 10 years ago, and he was a person who had served both in military and then in intel. And he said, you need to know that the Socratic, the Socrates, and Herodotus Greeks were full blood ETs living on this planet. And I remember it was like a mind jerk. Oh my God. And then he said, and you know, Plato and Herodotus and Aristotle, they really were trying to get across a concept to the roly-poly humans of agape love. <laughs> and that agape love had nothing to do with sex. Agape love is the recognition of a fellow being. It means looking at you as me, me as you, the cameraman everyone that in that moment when you you can get there and it almost makes me want to cry that if we could literally as a planet of eight billion if we could do what the Socratic Greeks were suggesting and we looked at each other as a fellow being how could you ever kill them how could you do that it would be a self-inflicted wound because that would be the perspective in which you were evolved, grew up, and became an adult. It doesn't mean that we would be like cut out of the same mold, no. It means that there's something about, but I have always had lots of good male friends. I mean solid, my best friends. There, that if you love somebody, it doesn't have to have sexual overtones. And that is something that this entire planet seems to have a problem with. And then you get men and women against each other, and you get people divided into IQs and all of that. There is something fundamental that if those Greeks were full-blood ETs, based on Earth for whatever reason, for the length of time that they were. Maybe they were involved with the, man, uh, the genetic manipulation of creating us. But that is such a profound, different way of looking at humanity to each other, mm -hmm. and that we probably could have evolved into a species out of babyhood that would not have been 
one of tribal warfare. Tribal warfare is killing now and has killed in the past so many humans, and it's insane. Right now, for the first time, I'm beginning to wonder, is it possible that the tall whites and the Nordics have been trying to engineer this huge paradigm shift in humanity, coming through horrors? It's as if I would like to just get us all on some kind of an island of peace where every human would look at the other human as this wonderment of another fellow being and that we could be introduced to all of the ETs that are not hostile because there are hostile. Humanity, and this is the part, humanity is supposed to have, homo sapiens, a soul like none other that is known. In all of our raggedness, all of our ignorance, that we have ended up with a plasma that is made for infinite cycles, as Roger Penrose said. A strength of a soul that would go on after the death of the biological body, taking with it the knowledge of every cycling life and returning back to the thought that dwells in the light. And that if every soul in this universe and all universes, if every soul ended up going through an infinity of lifetimes and choosing, finally choosing in every subsequent life, always to go to the light, never to go to the dark, no possibility of temptation, that it would be finally a universe that understood completely why the yin and the yang, there's only one direction to go. And then maybe the entire universe and all that was matter would just, that would be the end of the experiment. Wow, Linda. Yeah. It's that, that is big. so profound it's because that, that would be a good idea to extend our memory and lives so that the single being that that was would put it eventually put the puzzle pieces together and that's what we are doing and that's what we will do one by one by one i always talk about it being the domino this is the domino when you're kind to yourself and you're kind to other people that is the domino effect because it's the choice to be an agape to recognize yeah. that we're, we're, we're meant to respect each other and we're meant to like yes. love each other. But the, the, but the whole template is light. And we Just aren't go even to the taught light. how to breathe light. And if, if all humans had the same education about the power of breathing in light, because it's mental and physical, and that is an old, old tradition. But it, to me, it is, the, it is what the yin and yang symbol represents, that vitality and pureness of the light versus the dark, and that a choice must be made. And in the choice, the soul oh is the recorder, the accountant. 
and keeps evolving to the point where all of these beings would never ever choose anything in the darkness again. And that would be the total success of an infinite thought that dwells in the light universe. I saw that happen. You I did. saw it in a vision twice. And it was like, we were like trying to do it, trying to do it. And all of a sudden it goes, and we go, we did it. Yeah, and light, it goes light, to white. Light, and light, my light. son said in the car the day before I had the vision, he goes, you know, mom, all colors are white light. And he never says stuff like that. He said it three times because all, all colors, colors and are. then I have this vision. So we get there, you guys. Yeah. Let's do this yeah. together. It takes all of us, everyone listening, everyone. That's right. That Damn. was that was so beautiful, Linda. You just described. Choose the light, <laughs> recycle to the light, and have agape love. Look at every human being as yourself. Thank you. And you can forgive. Yeah. You guys can find Linda Moulton Howell at earthfiles.com and learn about- The Earth Files YouTube channel too. Yeah, the Earth Files YouTube channel too. She has led a big legacy in her life and uh, it was an honor to, to share these these moments with you. And dear fellow human being, it was an honor to be here and a joy to be here with you. Thank you. Thank you. Wow, Linda. I mean it. I really, I really think this is what it, a lot of it is about. And it would explain the avatars, the avatars that are so mysterious to Earth. A lot, there were efforts to try, but something has worked against on Earth, and that is the other big puzzle piece. Is it just reptilians? Yeah. And I don't, I don't like to talk about that too much because I, I would prefer my energy go into what we just did and not into hostile insects and yeah. reptilians. Yeah. They are there, but in a way, once you start getting into this energy of our existence should have joy and energy. <laughs> you don't want to weigh people down by the hostile insects and reptilians because I think the tall whites and the Nordics know how to keep it at bay. Yeah. But it means that the universe itself is just like Earth. All this tribal warfare. Yeah. It's, it's the whole universe and something is waiting for a, an evolution. A leap, a butterfly leap. And it's funny because I keep, in your talking day, I kept seeing like the microcosm and the, you know what I mean? Like our human thing, you know? And then when you said the reptilian, I was like, we have a reptilian brain, brain. <laughs> that's just like, I'm just gonna do it. I'm just gonna kill it. I'm just gonna eat it. I'm just gonna say it. And then there's this higher self that, that we can elevate to when we stop for one minute yeah. and breathe yeah. and go, I'm choosing something else. And Carl Sagan, who I know was briefed about the ETs, even though he never said it in his life publicly. And when Carl Sagan what uh, talked and did that book broke his brain yeah it was almost as if he was trying to force people to look at the uh, reptilian uh, beginnings of humanity 
like a secret, like a secret through his book. Yeah. And that when I read it, I had already been exposed to this. Yeah. And the book had, it was almost at times like, he knows he's been read into this program. He is now trying to address things in this book as purely as scientists, but he's talking about ETs. He's talking about UFOs. Yeah, 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 yeah. wow. Yeah, wow. Well, now it's all in the open. Um, like they said, shine a light on it. So, so again, thank you so much for, for all the work that you're doing in the world. Thank you so much for tuning in to Portal to Ascension Radio. Be sure to visit portaltoascension.org to access our extensive library of presentations and sign up for exclusive content. And connect with us on Instagram at Portal to Ascension. Now is the time that we've been waiting for, and we exist to assist in laying the foundation for a new world that works for the upliftment for all of humanity. Until next time, continue the quest, push the boundaries of your understanding, and we will all ascend to greater heights.